Part 1. The truth about the Public Corruption Unit's investigation of the Epstein sex trafficking ring. Nobody else is telling it to you straight. Why not? By Brian Cates, December 3rd, 2021. The Southern District of New York, SDNY, has a quite capable and competent sex crimes unit of its own. That's usually where you would expect to see something like an investigation into an international child sex trafficking ring handled. To me, one of the most interesting characteristics of the federal criminal investigation into Jeffrey Epstein and his sex trafficking network, an investigation that had begun years in advance of Epstein's arrest on July 6, 2019, was that it was not being run out of the SDNY's sex crimes unit. Instead, it was soon revealed that the very surprising arrest of Epstein and the probe into him and those involved in his international jet-setting sex crime spree of almost two decades was being handled out of the SDNY's Public Corruption Unit, or PCU for short. You don't sneak up on somebody like Jeffrey Epstein. Jim Croce's timeless hit, You Don't Mess Around With Jim, contains this stanza. You don't tug on Superman's cape. You don't spit into the wind. You don't pull the mask off that old Lone Ranger. And you don't mess around with Jim. An amended version of that would include the line, You don't sneak up on Jeffrey. Jeffrey Epstein was a long-time protected prince of the realm. He had friends in high places everywhere, something that was just highlighted yet again with the recent disclosure that he had been an invited guest at the White House when Bill Clinton was president, no less than 17 times. That's how connected and wired in he was. How good was Epstein's tripwire network? When an ABC News investigative team was preparing a story about him that involved interviews with some of his victims, Epstein's network of friends in high places managed to kill the story dead before it could be aired. This wasn't revealed until after Epstein's arrest in 2019, when Project Veritas and James O'Keefe got their hands on an internal ABC News video in which off-air but on-camera, and possibly not aware that she was being recorded, news anchor Amy Robach disgustedly complained about her superiors having the Epstein story killed, even though we had Clinton, we had everything. Yes, Epstein was one of the untouchables. Until suddenly, he wasn't. What changed? Epstein apparently was caught completely and totally by surprise when he was arrested at Teterboro Airport in New Jersey that July 6th. Had he known he would be arrested upon landing, it's doubtful he would have returned to the U.S. from his latest excursion to France. So how did the impossible become possible? It's never really been explained in depth. What we do know is that up to a year before, 
They finally moved in to arrest him. The SDNYPCU had opened an investigation, not so much into Epstein himself, but into exactly how he managed to get himself handed a simply amazing sweetheart plea deal back in 2009 in Florida, while everyone else involved in his sex trafficking crimes were never charged or identified. Here's the question nobody is asking. Exactly who was running the Department of Justice in 2009 and who made sure that the U.S. attorney for that part of Florida, Alexander Acosta, handed Epstein the ultimate sweetheart plea deal? While William J. Clinton, George W. Bush, and then Barack H. Obama were in the White House, Epstein operated his international criminal network with little interference. And when he did run into problems, things were quickly smoothed over, and he would soon be back in business, shuttling underage girls across the Atlantic with help of people such as Jean-Luc Brunel. The biggest change that led to the downfall of Jeffrey Epstein appears to me to be that Hillary Clinton lost the 2016 presidential election to one Donald J. Trump. Instead of the wife of his good friend and frequent visitor, Bill Clinton, taking the reins of the executive branch, a man who reportedly had ordered Epstein barred from his Mar-a-Lago resort got to make appointments to the Justice Department. You don't sneak up on Guillen either. The trial of the woman who was Epstein's constant companion during the two decades he was running a child sex trafficking ring for the International Jet Set, began this week in New York City. She was even more connected than he was. Naturally, given the subject matter, a bunch of super-rich elites sex trafficking and raping underage children and then somehow walking away without any serious charges garnered a massive tidal wave of media coverage at the time. I myself wrote more than a few times about the Epstein case, both in columns and on my Twitter account. The very first column I wrote for Tracy Beans's Uncover DC website had to do with the biggest early narrative on the left about the Epstein case, that Epstein's arrest and coming trial were all about exposing current President Donald J. Trump as a closet pedophile. From the article, quote, Donald J. Trump was the most thoroughly vetted presidential candidate in U.S. history. And yet, this past weekend, I've watched yet another Fusion GPS-launched fake news narrative instantly seize the imagination of the mainstream media and the progressive base that still doggedly follows it for their news. It's been widely known for more than a year at this point that the Department of Justice was re-examining the case of convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein, especially since this story was published in the Miami Herald. On Saturday, July 6th, Epstein was suddenly arrested by the FBI and on Monday a two-count indictment was unsealed, charging him with conspiracy to engage in human trafficking and human trafficking. I quickly established in my reporting that rolling up Epstein was merely old, unfinished business, and the real targets of the PCU's investigation were not President Donald Trump, 
but instead the public officials behind the 2009 sweetheart plea deal that gave Epstein the lightest of light slaps on the wrist while allowing every other member of that international child sex trafficking ring to walk away not only uncharged, but also unidentified. Of course, as everybody knows who hasn't been living under a rock for the last three years, Jeffrey Epstein was found dead in his prison cell on August 10th, before he could be taken to trial. Many assumed that Epstein's death closed the door forever on the PCU's investigation of both Epstein's international sex trafficking ring, his clients, and the public officials who covered up for them. Not so fast, I wrote at the time, in a column at Uncovered DC entitled, Why the Epstein Case is Far From Over. As you can see if you read that column, I have never been a proponent of the theory that Jeffrey Epstein was murdered. My position, based on the known evidence, is that he killed himself because it had become clear to him he wasn't going to be offered any deal, and he's taken his last breath as a free man. But the real point of the column, which I'll again spell out here because it's important, is this, quote, This idea is fostered by some in the media that Epstein had all kinds of deep, dark secrets in his head that only he knew, and he was a driving a hard bargain with the prosecutors to get the best possible deal for himself before he spilled his guts. Now that he's dead, he'll never talk, and so the case is over. This is a far cry from the reality of the situation Epstein actually found himself in. Understand this. There was an airtight case against Epstein back in 2008. He and every one of his co-conspirators should have been tossed ass-first into a jail cell years ago. The entire reason there is an Epstein scandal is that orders came down from above for the prosecutors in Florida to ignore that airtight case and let all these criminals go free. End quote. That's it. That's it right there. That's the scandal. That's what the scandal is, and that's what it's always been. Forget all the magic trick hand-waving being done either by idiots or nefarious actors to distract you from it. Some media commentators were surprised that the state never even attempted to offer Maxwell a deal in exchange for the names of others involved in the Epstein trafficking ring. They took this to mean the trial is just one big cover-up with Maxwell being sacrificed by the deep state in order to make this issue go away. At the trial's end, we are being assured. Maxwell will be given an extremely light sentence if she's convicted at all, and then the chapter on this scandal will be forever closed and everyone shall just have to move on. Well, excuse me, that's a very bad take. The SDNY Public Corruption Unit never offered Maxwell a plea deal for the exact same reason they never offered one to Epstein himself. They didn't need anything from either of these criminals. Basic Prosecution 101, you only offer a deal to a criminal you have an airtight case against when they have something you can't get any other way. Since Epstein and Maxwell essentially had nothing to offer the public corruption unit that the investigators didn't already know, neither got a deal. 
Berman's strange exit, followed closely by the Maxwell raid. Let's remember the really weird thing that happened just two weeks before the surprise Maxwell raid at her little tucked-away hideaway. Jeffrey Berman was only the acting United States Attorney for the Southern District of New York in 2020. It was understood he could be replaced at any time. Yet, when Craig Carpentino was announced to be the new U.S. Attorney for the SDNY, Berman turned down the new post offered to him at the DOJ and said he was staying put right where he was. After spending several weeks insisting he wasn't leaving after then-U.S. Attorney General William Barr announced his successor was being appointed, Berman was fired by President Donald J. Trump. Jeffrey Berman's curious exit, quote, It has been commented on extensively in the media that the Maxwell arrest happened so soon after the previous U.S. Attorney for SDNY Jeffrey Berman had such a curious exit from the job. Barr had originally given Berman, who was appointed only temporarily as an acting U.S. attorney, a chance to leave quietly on July 3rd. Berman opted not to do that, instead immediately calling a press conference in which he accused Barr of trying to force his resignation. That press conference led to Berman being fired by President Donald Trump. Then, a mere two weeks later, it was decided it was time to move in and take Maxwell into custody, end quote. Every attempt to derail this investigation was turned back. It certainly looks as if Berman was holding off any attempt to advance the case, and the Maxwell raid only happened after he was removed from the picture. In part two of this series, we'll go into who might be cooperating with the SDNY, PCU's pursuit of the public officials who let Epstein and his fellow criminals off the hook back in 2009.